You're listening to The Drew Marshall Show, Canada's most listened to spiritual talk back program. Alligators and long-neck geese Some humpy back camels and some chimpanzees Come on, everybody Some cats and rats and elephants But sure as you're born the loveliest of all was a unicorn. Now, I don't know whether George is uh, tired of that song. You, I mean, I ask artists a lot. You know, their favorite, they're most known for this song or that song. And, you know, do you get tired of it? And most artists come back with the comment, no, I understand. It's really had an impact. It's it, where I'm thankful to the fans for, you know, sort of uh, allowing the, us into their home sort of thing and into their lives. And, and we, that we song, might have spoiled it for him right there. But. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, us singing it might have <laughs> yeah, just wrecked oh, it for yeah. him right there. But, uh, boy, that song has really just taken over the world for so many years now. You remember the Irish Rovers television show? I mean, what happened to those guys that we all grew up with? Well, they're still going strong, stronger than ever. And according to the band's founder, George Miller, you don't have to look like Mick Jagger and weigh 90 pounds when you're in a Celtic band. The receding hairline and the gut growing over your belt buckle is just fine. I don't know whether you realize this, but former Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau once personally asked the lads to please become Canadian so they could represent Canada throughout the world. And, of course, they have done that. And today, Canada's Irish Rovers have reached a landmark 45 years as recording artists. And to celebrate this landmark, the lads are returning to where they began, Ontario, as a takeoff point for their 2011 Home in Ireland tour. Folks, the tour has started. I don't know whether you realize this, but Monday, this past Monday, they were in Owen Sound. Tuesday, Blythe, Ontario. Do you even know where that is, Tim? Blythe, Ontario? No, but it sounds nice. Uh, Wednesday, they were in Drayton. Uh, Friday, I mean, it's just, they're all, and then they're going to take, they're going get, to get over to Michigan there, and then they're back. Uh, Monday, March 14th, Hamilton, Ontario. Tuesday, March 15th, Belleville, Ontario. And then over to Nova Scotia for a bit, and then back to Ontario. Oh, it's, this is an extensive tour, folks. Anyway, I'm rambling because I'm excited, and uh, this is a thrill for me to have the one and only George Miller, the founding member of the Irish Rovers on the Drew Marshall Show. George, how are you, young fella? I'm I'm absolutely great, and I have a quick answer for your very first question. Do you get tired of the song? Friends of ours, Peter, Paul, and Mary, they come out in the paper oh, a few years ago and said, we will no longer be singing Puff the Magic Dragon for you, so don't expect it. Their audience has dropped off by about 80%, and about a month later they come back out and said, we were just joking, of course we're going to sing Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> oh, gee, so there's a, there's a lesson learned, isn't it? Seriously, wow. That's, I had no yes. idea that went down. That's a true story, and uh, the unicorn has been so kind to us that I will sing it until the day I die. If they want it, I'll sing it. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> well, everybody I've talked to, see, what I do is I do a little gossiping before I get a mm -hmm. guest on the show, and I say, George Miller, what do you think, George Miller? And everybody I've run that name by says, you are synonymous with the positivity and uh, just, you know, enjoying life, lighten up a little bit, you don't take yourself too seriously, you're quite an unassuming singer-songwriter, it's not all about you, and boy, I tell you, you're the kind of guy everyone wants to hang out with. <laughs> well, I'm not, I don't know about that all the well, time. Yes, of, of course you're going to say that, you see? If you'd said, <laughs> you're right, you're right, I am the kind of guy, well, then that would go against everything I just said. Well, that would go against the great. You're absolutely right um, in saying that the Irish Rovers, since the day we began, we've always just tried to make people happy and leave them after two hours, maybe to be whistling a song and 
maybe just pick up their spirits for two hours. We've never ever get into political type things, which doesn't make sense because we're a mixed band ourselves. <laughs> we just do the the sort of the maybe we do songs from Ireland of a bygone Ireland that maybe is not there anymore, but we still sort of perpetrate that, and that's what we like to do. And if people come up to us after the show and say, you know, you really made my life better for the last two hours, that is the reward. Well, interesting you mentioned the mixed band. When you say mixed band, you're talking about Protestant and Catholics. Both boys are in the band? Absolutely, yes. You see, wouldn't that be nice for you to travel around Northern Ireland and and basically the slogan would be, if we can do it, so can you? Well, absolutely, but I'll tell you, we we just finished a new DVD, and this is not a commercial by any means. We we just spent about a, a month in Ireland, and in the north of Ireland, and the troubles are absolutely gone and over, and it's an absolutely wonderful feeling. Uh, you, you know what what happened with some of the younger people, and this is how these type of things get together, the younger people started dating and seeing each other and saying, well, I don't care if you're a Catholic, I'm a Protestant, what does that matter? You look like me, I love you, let's get married. So that's what's happening. The younger people have finally forgotten about the old dinosaurs that lived there, and are getting together, and that is a huge, huge change for the country, and it's great. That's good, and it's interesting you mentioned that. That was the feeling I had. I spent a month in Israel in December, and that was mm-hmm. the same feeling mm-hmm. I had over there was once the younger generation comes along and, and uh, another generation comes along, I think uh, they they may let go a little bit of their father's, uh, yes. uh, I don't know, idiosyncrasies. You know what I mean? Uh, absolutely, and in, in our case, we were really blessed with parents who were not not politically inclined at all, and they brought us to Canada at a young age, and, you know, I'll thank them forever that they did that. And they had the insight or the foresight, whatever you'd like to say, of getting away from Ireland, although when we immigrated, there still was really not any troubles at all. They just they really left Ireland for a better way of life for, for their family, which mm. they did, and they were, they were not young people. They were in their late 30s when uh, we immigrated, so... It's very, very hard for them to do that, leave their family and friends and come to a new country, but they did it, and I'll never, ever forget that. It was a gift to us, the children. I was over in the home country a couple of years ago. I uh, was visiting Scotland, and I thought, I'm going to get on Ryanair and take a quick uh, jump over the water. And yeah. landed, and I had no agenda. I had, uh, I didn't know where I was going to stay. I had no car rented or anything. I just got to the airport pretty early in the morning and, and uh, said, all right, what are we going to do? I tell you, I had the best three days. And, of course, I guess it's very similar to the folks on the East Coast here in Canada. Wherever in the world the weather is the poorest, the people are the nicest. Absolutely. And those are the type of people also, when we go there in the dead of winter, like you were saying, glides and uh, places like that well it was under about 18 feet of snow <laughs> but when we make the the effort to get there it really it's the people really appreciate it and of course to them it's nothing they're just saying oh no it's just a bit of a blizzard to us it was like being in the arctic but um it, they're so grateful when you can make that trek and get there so yes you're right about that well i had the best time uh i, I got a chance to drive around i had a black cab tour private tour of the troubles district and uh, saw the murals and got a bit of the yeah. history and boy i i enjoyed that uh my mm. my family the marshals uh, we were protestant planters uh, sent mm. over uh, from Scotland to Northern Ireland uh, just to yes. sort of tick off the Catholics, I think. That's how that went down. And well, I, I think it was. Uh, it actually started with King Billy. He sent the Protestants in there to sort of, um, you might say, cultivate the land, which they did. <laughs> they, were, they were very good farmers, and they had 
they had good equipment and everything else, and it was, you're right, the north of Ireland was indeed settled by the Scottish settlers, and my background, the name Miller with an A-R comes from the McFarland clan, which was a lowland clan around Edinburgh, and like Jimmy and our band was Ferguson, so there's a lot of, uh, they call us the Ulster Scots, is what they call us anyway, and, and our music, well, when we play our music, there's quite a lilt to it, it's much more of a Scottish lilt than you might find down in Cork or Limerick or Dublin or somewhere like that. Right, right. No, this is all makes sense. My father and I have these conversations every once in a while because we had a relative in our family who did the genealogy. You know, the big, uh, the mm-hmm. big history of the Marshalls, where we came from, and and uh, traced us back to Oma, uh, County Tyrone. And so I, I went around there and drove around and had a lovely chat. We've got the Presbyterian blood in us there, or somebody was mm-hmm. a minister along the way. Anyway, drove up the coast, went up to uh, the what's that rope bridge called again? Oh, Carrigan Reed. Boy, that's a that's a tricky thing to get across. Let me tell you, you, well, would, you wouldn't want you wouldn't want to have too many Irish whiskeys in you. No, that's, that's that exactly what I was just about to say. <laughs> what are those stones that kind of look kind of crazy at the north end? Oh, there? that's the uh, that's the Giant's Causeway. Giant. That's a, a wonderful. They're actually calling it the eighth wonder of the world. Now, if the Irish are calling it like the seventh wonder, mind you, but the rest of the world calls it the eighth. <laughs> right. Well, it, just unbelievable. And the folklore that it's attached to that, I guess the giant from Scotland and the giant from Ireland. What, do you know that story? Can you lay that out for us? Yes, yes it was Finn McCool was the Scottish giant, and he came across and he threw these stepping stones in the water from Scotland to come and see his lady friend, and that basically is how the giant's causeway was developed. That's what it's all about. And they came over there. He'd go back and forth in the middle of the night, you see, and see his lady friend. <laughs> and, uh, now it's interesting. You mentioned Finn McCool's. That happens to be my mm-hmm. home, my home pub in Orangeville, Ontario. I'll be, I'll be spending a fair bit of time there this week. Um, the The thing I want to know about about you fellas is this television show. I had no idea. It was such a good show. This is going to be a bit of a slag for Canadians here, but it was such a good show. I had no idea it was Canadian. Do you know what I mean when I say that? <laughs> No, I understand because to this day, um, you wouldn't really hear the Irish Rovers name brought up in too many. If there's any sort of Canadian awards to be handed out, you wouldn't ever hear our name because people don't know that we're a Canadian band. I mean, they can give William Shatner some sort of an award and he's lived in Canada for three years. Well, we all live here for the last uh, 40 years since we've been traveling. We actually started the band, Jimmy and I, in Toronto when we immigrated. I met Jimmy and we actually started in Toronto. My brother Will at the time was out in Calgary doing a television show for children. So it's always been Canadian on our part. And, uh, well, actually, in those days, anyway, Toronto was like another uh, Ulster. It was all Irish people living in Toronto anyway. Yeah. still is. Well, speaking of uh, Will and the, and the uh, children's show, can, mm-hmm. you, can, you sh- can you share that story about when you, you guys went out and sung on the show? Well, Will had this little television show. All of these little kids would come on live, and he would sing all of these little kitty songs of the day. So Jimmy and I went out for a summer, and at night uh, we would be singing in this nightclub, and Will would get up and join us. And he says, well, look, I've got to do the TV show tomorrow. Do you want to come on and sing a song or two? Then we said, all right. So Jimmy and I went on this little kid show, and we sang Whiskey, You're the Devil, which is really... Actually, the moral of the song is that, of course, whiskey is the devil and it's leading me astray. And we also sang one called Finnegan's Wake about a dead man rising up from the dead because of whiskey being spilled on him. Well, the switchboards lit up and not in our favor. They were all saying, these are our children. They're five years old and you've got these rogues singing about whiskey and fighting at parties and all. And 
So we were asked politely, not only were we asked not to come back, my brother Will also lost the TV show because of it. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, I did not nope. know that. Yes. Oh, well, I guess hindsight, that might have been fortuitous because, uh, really, yeah. that next thing you know, you're driving down the road and all of a sudden the unicorn song is on the radio. How did you respond when you first heard that song in the radio? Well, we went absolutely mad. We had been uh, sequestered away in Vail, Colorado, and in those days they didn't have outside television because they were just starting the, the town, so there was no there was no feeds coming in. And somebody kept saying, you know, we're hearing this song that you guys do called The Unicorn, and we were saying... Oh no, somebody has stolen our song and they're, they're doing it on the radio. So about a week later we had to leave and go back to Los Angeles and we got out. We were in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the middle of the night in the desert driving to Los Angeles and the song came on and it was us. Well, we stopped the car and we tore some articles of our clothing off in the night and ran around the desert screaming for joy. Uh, that's very that's very reminiscent of King David uh, dancing naked before the Lord. Well done. Very spir- very spiritual of you. <laughs> but, but you know what? Well, it was. Not only was it spiritual, but I think it was, out of all of these great drinking songs that we sang, isn't it a little strange that it was this little unicorn song that made us the hit? Yeah. It wasn't the Irish drinking songs or the Pretty Colleen's or the Fast Racehorses. It was this little unicorn. Oh, and we even sang it after a while in... Um, we sang it for Japan, and it got a hit there, and it was Unicorn Wa, because there is no unicorn in their culture, and it was a, a horse with a horn, is how it translated in Japan. So, wow. And that was for the Canadian government we did that, by the way. That's when you were talking about Pierre Trudeau. That's when he said to uh, Patrick Reed that, you know, I really like the Irish rovers too, but don't you think since they're representing Canada that they might, maybe should become Canadian? <laughs> yeah. And that's when so we did three of them, and then... They took us down to the city hall in Vancouver and made us citizens in about 10 minutes. And I felt bad about that because all of these people had lined up and they're, they've been learning all about Canada. And they just took us in and made us citizens like that. And I felt bad for them. But they said, oh, well, they'll, they'll be citizens too. Yeah, for anyway, it all worked out for the better. Great memories. I, I remember sitting with my father watching uh, you know, a hockey night in Canada. Of course, uh, Peter, mm-hmm. Peter Puck. Uh, I, I could stay up as long as uh, until Peter Puck was over. The, after the yeah. first intermission, Peter Puck and, and maybe Howie Meeker came on in the second inter- yeah. intermission. I had these great memories of also sitting there watching. And my dad, he's a funeral director and a square oh, dance caller. Okay. Now, can you imagine those wow. two together? Well, then he would have loved our type of music with the fiddles and the, um, oh. and the accordions going and all. Absolutely loved it. Uh, still... Uh, follows uh, a lot of the music that you you boys do, and uh, I'm trying oh, to think I, of some I, other names. There was a guy, there was a fiddler, a Canadian fiddler. What the heck was his name? Oh, uh, uh, what do you call him? Uh, oh, from Hamilton, Ontario. Yep. Um, what do you call him? It just slipped my mind, too, just oh. as you said that. I, I if, had it. If my dad's listening right now, he's yelling at the radio. I know he is. Oh, I know. Um, he'll, he'll think we're, we're both rather stupid. For, yeah. I mean, he's a, an icon of Canadian music. Oh. and um, This is like passing oh. a kidney stone. This is how painful this is right now. <laughs> Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. I'll get my uh, my assistant to uh, to line it up there. Anyway, uh, what I'm trying to get to is a great yeah. childhood memory. Sitting down watching the television show, The Irish Rovers. You guys had a had a muck of fun, and uh, and the music was great. I mean, even as a young lad, I got into it. Uh, just a fan, and we just don't have that anymore. There's nothing like that. You know, somebody the other night or last night we we're, were in Detroit, and somebody because they used to get the TV show because of being close to the border, and they said, you know. Why don't you do another TV show? And I said, well, we're old people now. We're dinosaurs, and that's not what the executives want. They're, and then I started thinking about it, and there's not one variety show anymore on any of the channels. So once in a while on Bravo, you'll get um, 
you know, you'll see Bruce Coburn or, or whoever, Elvis Costello, you'll see some music, but there's no regular variety show like there used to be. Even like an Ed Sullivan show, you would see a juggler and you would see maybe the Clancy Brothers and then maybe Pavarotti would sing. You don't see that anymore, and it's a shame. I miss it. You see it in Ireland, there's a couple of shows there that yeah. have variety on them, and but in this country, in North America, unfortunately, it's... Uh, it's gone, and it's too bad. I wish it would come back. Got it. So many questions I want to ask you, and i got to get this one out of my head before I forget it. Are you okay. familiar with the radio fella uh, from Northern Ireland, BBC Ulster? Thing? Gary Anderson. Oh, exactly. Thank you. That is some of the, <laughs> that is some of the best crack I have ever heard in yes. my life. Yes, he doesn't. Uh, he is a very nice man. He used to be in a band. He has a book on it. I don't know if you read he, the book. Well, he was a bass player for Ronnie Hawkins. Exactly, exactly. And he has some wild stories, but of course he settled down like we all have. And one of the great rock and rollers, that might have been Keith Richards, said, if I had known I was going to live past 40, I'd have looked after myself a heck of a lot better. <laughs> so I think Jerry Anderson was one of those two, and all of a sudden he's a very respected uh, radio announcer. Well, now, hold very, on very now. Good. Hold on now. Respected, I think that's going a little far, right? Well, I mean, maybe that one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> By the, by, the way, radio by the way, we had uh, we had a caller uh, help us with that uh, brain fart we had there a little while ago. Don Messer's yes. Jubilee. Oh, of course it was Don Messer, for crying out loud. Yeah. I'd like to get that. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we're digressing. Now, listen, the guests you had on the show, you had a bunch yeah. of big names on the show there, didn't you? Can you, you know, reel, reel out a few of them? There were, there was the, we had the very last um, of his life, Bobby Darren, did the show about a month before he died. And he came out, a quick story, he came out of the dressing room just before the show and he had a, a three-piece suit on and there's us standing in sweaters, jeans and boots. And he says, oh, excuse me. He went back into his room and he came out in a sweater and jeans. And he said, ah, that's better. I feel a lot better. Johnny Cash brought everybody, including Carl Perkins. It, it turns out with all, Roger Miller, it turns out with all of them that once you get them away from agents and managers, they're like everybody else and they're... They're very, very accommodating. They'll do anything you want. And um, well, tell I, us, I tell us that Johnny Cash story. Well, Johnny Cash was playing in Victoria, and he had the whole. They had Maybell Carter and the whole troupe. There was about twenty of them. Wow! And it was a day off, and our producer Ken Gibson in Vancouver phoned them and said, "Would you like to do this show?" And because he was like this, he said, "I love that unicorn song. It's really a nice song. I'd be glad to do it." They got paid three thousand dollars for about 20 of them and his manager was with him and he said okay now we need an ending song what will we do and we were saying oh you know maybe let the circle be unbroken or something like that and he says ah you know he does that all the time is there anything different and i said what about the battle in new orleans and he says oh oh no don't ever even ask him that because johnny horton the writer was his best friend and got killed in a car crash about a year ago don't bring it up so Johnny Cash walks out, and we're talking about the same thing. And he sort of said, too, oh, you know, the circle let be unbroken. Nice song, but it's been done to death. What else is there? So we came back to the Battle of New Orleans, and Johnny Cash says to me, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And he said, my best friend wrote that, and he got killed. So that would be an honor to do that song. Wow. So that's wow. what I was saying. You get them away from the managers, yeah. and they're like, they they know what's going to work and what won't work, and they're trying that way. You remember back to the time where he, he came with the, the whole game, and, and really, I think we're probably talking about the same experience here, but you must have been terrified that they were, they were you couldn't afford that whole lot of them? Never, never. Plus, when you stand beside him on the stage, he was about like 10 feet tall, and we were about 4 foot 2, so it was quite intimidating, uh, but a, an absolute gentleman. You wouldn't meet a nicer man in your life, and... 
they weren't married, I don't think, at the time. But uh, what do you call it? Jim Carter was there as well, and she didn't she didn't let him stray too far. No. I think she was sort of keeping an eye on him. And <laughs> we also had um, another person who was, didn't really fit with our image and all, but it has got great reviews. Was Andy Gibb. And once again, uh, like a month or two later, he overdosed. And, and I'm thinking, just maybe we're, uh, maybe we're a chink on people. Maybe we <laughs> won't be doing our show anymore. So I should be a little careful after the show today. Yeah. Is this what I'm no, hearing? No, no, radio is okay. It's okay. only TV. <laughs> All right. That's good. <laughs> no, you're safe, Drew. You're okay. Good, good, good. Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, Bobby Darren, Glenn Campbell, Ann Murray, the Clancy Brothers. I mean, the list goes yes. on and on and on and on. Well, the Smothers Brothers, they're friends of ours, too. We did their show years ago in Hollywood, and they did the show, and it just, um, we had them all, and like I say, I, I haven't a bad thing to say about anybody. If you ever hasn't had to write a book about our guests, it would be a very boring book that I would write, because <laughs> each page would be saying, they were nice, oh, they were nice, too, oh, and they were nice. So I don't have anything bad to say about any of them. They're all great. You know, I, I'm ashamed to admit this, but I, I had no idea... I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. I had no idea that you were the guys behind Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact, um, people are still, you know, we'll be doing a show in May or an outdoor concert, and they'll yell up, sing Grandma. And I say, no, it's a Christmas <laughs> song. And my mother my mother hated the song with a passion. She says, could you drop that old song? I hate it. I said, Mom, it's funny. She says, there's nothing funny about that. <laughs> so you either like it or you don't. There's no halfway on that song. Of course, uh, could have been the whiskey, might have been there. Wasn't that a party? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that yeah. song. That song is played at every every wedding, every wedding in well, the world these days. Well, it is. And once again, it, there's a moral to the story. If you listen to the words, like it got banned immediately by the, I think it was the governor general at the time, whoever it was of, um, or the health, whoever the was in charge of the health of Ontario, tried to get the song banned in Ontario because it was promoting drinking. Surgeon General, that's who it was. And, of course, that, that tripled the sales. We thank them very much for this day. <laughs> but we, uh, what I said was, if you listen to the words, these fellas go to a party and an all-nighter and have a great time, and they end up in jail for 20 days. So that's the moral. You don't want to do that sort of thing. No, that's right. That's right. Uh, okay, now listen. The, uh, the the sad thing that you've had to go through, of course, well, I'm, I'm sure there's many things, but obviously we're talking about uh, a loss of uh, of Jimmy back mm-hmm. in 97, I think, wasn't it? Yes, yes and, it was. And yeah. the poor guy was only 57 years old. He was 57, and he had had um, a bad heart about four or five years before it, and we were in New Zealand, and he was very pale, and this, this fellow came backstage, a Canadian, and he says, you know, I think your friend might have had a heart attack there on stage tonight. And so we checked them all over, and sure enough, he says, you've had a minor heart attack. And when we got him home, took him to his own doctor, and his own doctor said, Jimmy, you have to change your ways, or you won't last five years. He died almost five years to the day in a, in a hotel in um, just outside Boston. I, I found him in the morning. I went into his room, and he was peacefully uh, smiling on his face. He was gone, and he didn't change his ways, and he, was, um, he lived large and didn't want to change. Like, he was too heavy, he drank too much, and uh, that's, that's what happened. And he didn't, um, you know, like I say, as most of us, when we reach the age of 40 or so, we start saying, well, hang on, I'm still alive. I better start to uh, cut down the carbs and maybe do a wee bit of exercise and cut back on the drink. You have to do that. And uh, luckily, most of us do. Jimmy didn't. And um, he lived large, and, and um, I still miss him to this day. He was he was such a he was a part of my whole life because I met him when I was only 16. We started the band. I started the band at an early age with him, and 
he was my compadre all those years. So it was very, very hard on me, but I'm sure it was probably just as hard on his wife and child, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Sure. Well, it was quite a loss for everyone, of course. Uh, you know, his baritone voice and the, and the look he had and just his style, it was that was a part of, of the Rovers. Of course, the same could be said about your brother, Will. You know, he had his oh, his uh, his look and his... Uh, help me understand. Is he a painter yes. now? He stopped... Uh, yes. Yes, he paints and he does uh, artwork, very, very good artwork, and is making a nice living doing that. And I still think he does some shows on his own, some compare type uh, some um, like Irish type shows with dancers and all he does that once in a while but his main thing is painting and like I say he's become very very good and he does mainly Irish scenes and um, every time he has a show I go down to it it's, he lives about oh, 100 miles from where I live on Vancouver Island so I always go down to a show and the, the painting is all in sale. So it's, uh, I'm happy for him. Good for him. Good for him. Now, being out yeah. Vancouver Island way, I know yeah. uh, career-wise, you did you had something to do with Randy Backman a, a while back, and, and he lives out yeah. that way as well, as well as his son, Tal Backman. Are, are you in touch yeah, with yeah. The, the Backmans at all? I, I haven't been in the last year, but he wrote us a song and performed on our TV show, and so did Brian Adams wrote us a song as well. And uh, they were on an album, oh, about 10 years ago, and it was very nice of them to do that. It's 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 really nice when you're honored with other, uh, with, especially with big stars like that, when they either write you a song or, or want to play on your on your CD. It's like, I can't believe these people are asking us. And I say, well, I, can, I guess I can afford to pay you about $200 for the day. And they say, oh, okay, well, maybe we won't charge you this time. So <laughs> we always have a nice laugh. And it's always, always nice to be, well, to me, it's an honor. If somebody like that wants to play on your CD or wants to write you a song, I say, oh, absolutely, lovely. Thank you very much. Thanks. You know, folks, I don't think you understand this, but these boys won a Juno before they were Junos. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it was. I can't remember it's either. Funny looking thing. Some, yeah. It's probably yeah. some Eskimo name or something. I don't know. And it then, is something like that. And, oh, uh, the Harold Moon. Harold Moon. Does that ring a bell? Uh, Moon Award? I don't know. What no. does matter is that you. It's not that I that we won the award. Just being nominated was enough. So let me ask you: Was being nominated yeah. for a Grammy Award enough? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I can't lie to you because you would see right through me. Yes, of course we were disappointed. Yes, yes. At the same time, I mean, it really is nice. To, of course, it's great to be nominated, being in that those lofty. Uh, high points with other entertainers, but at the same time, you're saying, oh, damn, we lost. Yeah, yeah. And you had your speech already. I, you know, every one of these actors that go up there and say, I, I didn't have anything to say, well, of Bollocks. Bollocks. <laughs> it is bollocks. That's exactly, I wasn't going to say it. I'll let you say it first. <laughs> it was an absolute, complete bollocks. It's, uh, everybody, uh, even if you think you're not going to win, you sort of say to yourself, okay, but if I do, here's what I'll say. Yeah. And, Everybody has something ready to say. That's so, right. Uh, That's right. I love those shows. I love them. Growing up uh, where you grew up, we talked. We touched on this earlier in the show. You know, mm -hmm. religion was such a part of the culture over there in Northern yeah. Ireland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, what age were you when you left? Ten. I was ten years old when we left, and so we continued on in Canada the same way we did in uh, Northern Ireland. There was a lot of. Um, uh, Northern Irish people living there. As a matter of fact, my father, first of all, came out to live with the Eaglesons, the the infamous or, or famous name Eaglesson from the hockey world. Well, hopefully, 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 they didn't manage your uh, career, or your budget, or your finances there. That's a, no, yeah. no, unfortunately, that was somebody else. <laughs> but uh, so my father came out there for about six months and lived with them until he was able to get a house for us. 
and then we moved out. And But things really didn't change. In our upbringing, uh, my mother was a very uh, good living woman. My father was a musician. He wasn't quite so good living. So, But we still went to church on Sunday. I would go to Sunday school, and then I would have to go to the Salvation Army. And I say have to because I didn't really want to, but... I did like the Salvation Army because of the music. music. Fact, I kept going there for a long time, and that's the only charity to this day that I really give money to is the Salvation Army because I just believe they do such great work all over the world, and most of the money goes right to where it's needed rather than 80% going to administration. That's yeah. what I don't like to do. So yeah. anyway, the Salvation Army was my thing, and um, we continued on in Canada doing that and basically until I left. I left home when I was early, when I was 16 with the band, so... So I had uh, all of those years there, six years, and uh, we lived in Mimico, which was west on uh, west of Toronto. Yeah. I don't even know that it's called Mimico anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it think. sure is. Okay, sure well, is. that's where we lived. That's where we immigrated to and never left. Well, look, I I appreciate the positivity that you guys have brought, and, and to come from the culture where... People take religion too seriously. People take politics too seriously. And for you to shake that stuff off and get and get about your business and bring in the bring the smile to people's faces, good on you for doing that. Well, thank you. And that's uh, that's our plan for the next five years. We're going to retire when we hit the 50th anniversary, which will be about four and a half years. We're going to gracefully hang the name up on the wall somewhere, and we'll call it a day. We'll still probably do the odd CD here and there, and. If somebody, uh, actually, one of the boys said, well, we can do a farewell tour. And I mean, it says farewell tour, it'll say in brackets, maybe. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, you, could be, you couldn't do any worse than Kiss. I think the band Kiss has, no. had, has had three or four final farewell yeah. tours. So, Absolutely. You know. I, I, I love them. But, yes, and, and we will we'll, we'll stay positive right through the next four and a half years because that's, that's all we know how to do is to try and make people happy for a couple of hours, like I say, and that's, that's my job in life. That's what I love to do, and they actually pay me for it into the bargain. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, this DVD, Home in Ireland, uh, can yeah. people get their hands on it now? Uh, yes, it's just been released. It's on our web, which is irishroversmusic.com. It can be done through that, or it can be done at our concerts. You can buy them there. And we're also talking with PBS in Detroit. They're very interested in looking at it, and you never know it might turn up there for next St. Patrick's Day. Brilliant! Oh, that's uh, and folks, you got to get out and see these fellows. You really do. Uh, they're going to be in Perry Sound, Bracebridge, North Bay, Cornwall, Brockville, Pembroke, Peterborough, Moncton, New Brunswick, Halifax, Nova Scotia, Sydney, Nova Scotia, Belleville, Ontario, Hamilton, Ontario. You've missed it in uh, Blythe and uh, Owen Sound, but and is there a chance that you might come back into the GTA? Absolutely, because as my mother said, no rest for the wicked. So I think we'll be working a bit yet. Good. But we are looking at Toronto at Christmas to do a Christmas show. So you'll hear Grandma then, you see. <laughs> nice, nice. That's great. Well, it's <laughs> it's been a real privilege, a real honor. I don't get uh, get all uh, jazzed about many guests, but George, having you on the show brought back a lot of good memories for me, mate. Thank oh, you very, yeah. very much. And Well, I, you're, you're a very nice man, Drew. And also, Tim, thank you both. I, I've appreciated this, and thanks for your listeners as well. All right, mate. All the best, and we look forward. I hope this tour is just a raging success for you. Oh, isn't that nice? And listen, happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone. Thanks, mate. Take care, George. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Bye. George Miller, founding member of the Irish Rovers. That was fun. That was fun. All right. We're going to continue on with our St. Patrick's Day special. Bit of Irish, too. We're going to have some fun with you. 
listening out there and wherever the heck you're listening. Give us a call and answer useless Irish trivia questions, and you will win absolutely nothing. Yep, that's how we roll here in the show. Big budget. And then at 4.15, I don't know whether anybody will show up, or even if you don't physically show up, it would be great if you could, to to the studio here, 284 Church Street in Oakville, Ontario. Uh, the pub's open, folks. That's what I'm saying. The pub is open. Ah, 4.15 to 5 o'clock, end of the show. That's how we're going to wrap today. Uh, If you want to phone in and and maybe tell us a joke or have a few laughs or just chat randomly about nothing or ask Tim about some personal details of his life, (laughs) what medication he's on, I don't know, Uh, join us. We are just going to have a bit of fun here for this last hour here on the show. Happy St. Patrick's Day. It's coming up this week, folks. I don't know whether you realized it or not. Oh, by the way, don't forget to turn your clocks ahead tomorrow. Uh, we'll be right back. Every Sunday, then after that, the orange lodge would try to Having a bad day? Soul. Give us a call and we'll give you something to complain about. 905-338-1250. It's hard to find quality guest speakers these days. If they're interesting, they're usually expensive. And if they're cheap, they're usually boring. Well, here's someone who's both expensive and boring. Drew Marshall is a high school dropout who tried to become a pro football player but didn't make it. He then tried to become a firefighter and didn't make it. Now he's trying to become a stand-up comic. (laughs) Good luck with that, Mr. Marshall. But if you're looking for someone who's unpredictable, incredibly honest, provocative, genuine, then we've got the right guy. Everyone seems to be an expert on something these days. Why not book someone who's an expert on nothing? Except how to be brutally honest about yourself and your faith. To book Drew Marshall as your guest speaker, go to drewmarshall.ca.